When blue state politicians realize that they are intact and the red states are destroyed, they're going to say to themselves, never let a good crisis go to waste. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Writing a book is hard work, and Shelby and I don't have the time to write one, so we decided to do something today very special. It's our way of still telling a prepping story without spending six months to a year writing and editing a book. Here's our solution. A podcast storyboard in which we talk through a storyboard for the novel we would like to write. Our scenario is definitely in the this could actually happen category, and that would be Chinese balloons with small scale EMPs that cripple red states, but leave blue states intact. The Chinese states, pardon me, the blue states are sympathetic to the Chinese and therefore ask the Chinese for humanitarian assistance, which quickly becomes the blue states and Chinese trying to take over the severely damaged red states. Join us in this story that will definitely get you thinking. And remember, as always, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. We pick every week the sponsor superlative of the week, and we wanted to mix things up. The sponsor superlative of the week is not awful. Is not, that a, is that it's a, not a superlative. It is not a great superlative, but we'll do it. Yeah, we'd we'll, like to we'll keep fans guessing. Yeah, and we're going to be creative. Mm-hmm. Go Just, ahead. We'll see what happens. So our first not awful sponsor mention of the week is EMP Shield. They have developed a device that makes it so that your home, your car, your generators have a massively huge surge protector on it that protects from a CME or an EMP, which will become kind of a big deal the more we talk through this Mm -hmm. um, storyboard today. So I encourage you to go check out EMP Shield as well as all of our other great, not awful, sponsors at our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. You'll find some great coupon codes there, including on EMP Shield. There you go. And we wanted to now talk about our top 100 items that disappear first. This is a list created by Bosnia survivors. The list is available at prepping2-0.com on the website that says the new top 100 list of things. Number three is lighters. Uh, There's two schools of thoughts on lighters. One is BIC sort of disposable lighters, and the other is Zippo lighters that you can uh, add fuel to. Um, I would say get both. Um, First of all, if you have limited money, uh, go ahead and get a whole bunch of butane disposable lighters. They last pretty long. Uh, They are inexpensive. You can get a bunch of them. You can go on Amazon and get, you know, 20 of them for a few bucks. Um, The Zippo lighters are more resilient in in the sense that you can reload them essentially, but you need to have wicks and flints and butane fuel and Zippo lighters, to my surprise, until it happened to me, actually dry out. The fuel evaporates out, and so you can't leave it in your truck, for example, for six months and expect it to light. So lighters, there are obvious reasons why lighters are important for a variety of things in a grid-down situation. The reason of the week to be a Patreon. This week, it's to hear the end of podcast storyboards like the one you're about to hear, because the end is in the after show. Sorry, that's just how it goes. Well, let's get into it. So let's just hash out how we're going to hash out our storyboards. So if you think back to some of our past episodes, and we've joked about it, when I was doing my book series, A Great State, um, I would jokingly refer to Glenn as my literary agent, and we would have literary agent time where we would kind of, not just kind of, we would hash out potential storylines, plots, and subplots within the book series, A Great State. Uh, A good example of that is my character, Ned. Ned is not based on anyone I know at all, but I needed to have this male voice. And there was several times where I'm like, what? I have one of those. Well, and I, because I'm like, I know how I would react as a woman. And I'm thinking about, I kind of want this really solid not super verbose, 
slightly wounded man, how would he respond to this? And he has a slight crush on one of my characters, but he want, he's not going to be inappropriate. He's not going to be all googly-eyed. How would he react? You know what I mean? And so I would ask Glenn, what would, what would a guy like this, and he would give me a couple of lines, and I could go with it. And you would say, let's storyboard it. Yeah, and let's storyboard so storyboards, it. for those who are unfamiliar, are what they do in Hollywood and elsewhere. They have a board with little scenes of that, that encapsulate um, a scene or some plot development, and they put them out, and it's it's kind of like an outline of a exactly story. It is exactly what it is. It's, it's an, an outline. outline of a story, right? It's, and that's what we're talking about it today. It doesn't have the filled-in details and, and dialogue, but it's the, this is where I want this story to start, and this is where I want it to stop. So, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing today. So this is an insight on how a novel is kind of hatched, except that we're not going to write it out um, because it's kind of, first of all, like you said, we don't have time. But second of all, because it's kind of timely, it's what's happening around us right now. And this is how we see it playing out. Exactly. Well, the basic premise, and, and I alluded to it in the introduction, is the Chinese are our enemies, obviously. And they are uh, uh, presented a dilemma. How do you take America's natural resources wholly intact? Because, I mean, you could launch a bunch of nuclear warheads and just destroy you know, farmland and, and all that other stuff. Or how, so how do you take our natural resources wholly intact and still have America fight each other? Well, there's a brilliant way to do this that quite honestly, none of us thought of until the Chinese balloon scenario. And that would be a series of Chinese balloons flying at low altitudes. 60,000 feet is low altitudes with an uh, a nuclear device on it that was a low yield nuclear device that would be detonated. And the thing about low yield nuclear detonations at low altitudes, the effect of an EMP is is sort of line of sight. And if you're 60,000 feet over, say, uh, Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana, which uh, based on a true story, that's a recurring theme you're wow, going to be hearing today. That seems so weird to happen. Oh, wait, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, that that the localized effect it would be you know I'm making this up I mean it would be about thirty mile EMP radius if it's sixty thousand feet up the higher up you go the bigger the coverage basically so in a lot of EMP novels we we hear about a singular nuclear burst several hundred feet above America that would cover all of America well you can you can dial it down you can localize mm -hmm. it and and it seems more plausible in the sense that if you are an enemy of the United States and you're looking at the United States, do you want to completely nuke it off the map? Are you, no, let's no, I mean, let's let's pillage it. Yeah. And this is a great way to and pill, let's, right? And let's get Americans to fight each other to do our, our dirty work yeah, for so us. So we don't have to spend resources on it. So before we get into that, yes. we need to talk about our not awful sponsors. It pains you to say that. It does it? because they're kind of I'm going to say it. Awesome. Oh, boy. So you can check out all of our not awful sponsors at prepping2-0.com. Um, you can find their Forever Forward Apparel. Uh, great Liberty Loving folks over there that specialize in prepping 2.0 apparel. Pro One Water Filters. Jared Savick, uh, realtor here in Montana, will help you out. If you're a prepper looking for a great prepping property, Katie Armour, come and take it, Armour. It is uh, steel body plates for you and I, not for the military. Backwoods Home Magazine. I just got a latest episode or latest publication. I'm looking forward to it. Numana Foods, Minutemen Coffee. Yeah, I might need another dose of that. Uh, Paul Burke, he's an Idaho realtor specializing in, again, prepping properties. You can find him at firstresponserealty.com, powered by Fathom Realty. Well, Here's the foundation, the the organizational foundation for this scenario. We're going to be getting in the minds of of Chinese Communist Party bigwigs. And so they have openly discussed. So this is not some big conspiracy theory. I mean, please, everything we're talking about is not a conspiracy theory. Now, we project into the future what we think might happen. And so we're not saying that, that the Chinese have touched off several low-yield EMPs across the United States. We're not saying that. But as far as uh, this goes, this is documented, 100% real. China, China's policy is four stages um, to take over a country. Infiltration, collaboration, 
destruction, and consolidation. We'll be discussing each one and tying it into history in the uh, example of things that have already happened and tying it into current headlines. And then, of course, we project into the future. So the first one of these is infiltration. This is where the Chinese infiltrate a country's, and we'll just call it America because that's what we're talking about here. We don't care about Liechtenstein. So we um, we look at how, uh, or whether I should say, the Chinese have infiltrated institutions in the United States of America, like uh, uh, political people and academia and the media and Oh, geez. Uh, Shelby, is anything I'm saying, has it not happened? No, all of that has happened to mm-hmm. me. Let's, let's just give an example of that for this reason, because this is how, surprisingly, Glenn and I write, as well as other post-apocalyptic you know, fiction writers write. They, we take what we see in the news media and we storyboard it out. So let's talk about that. Academia. Because of the, the documents that are continually being found in the possession of our current president. Um, University of Pennsylvania has, there. this is from the headlines, it has been documented and reported on, has received millions of dollars in donations from the Chinese China. government. Let's talk about congressperson, congressman, I can't remember what side of the, what side of the branch he's in, but uh, Swalwell mm-hmm. documented, undisputed, was in a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy who, mm-hmm. once it was revealed, poof, she's gone. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? Media. Well, the, yeah, media. I mean, everybody listening, if you're listening to this show, you probably already understand right. all of this. There has been massive infiltration of our institutions. Um, it appears that the president of the United States has been in the past and perhaps currently is working for the Chinese government. We know about it being in the past. So we can kind of skip over infiltration. We can. So in I just sense. wanted to give kind of a um, a summary of it. But let's just add this, though. So if if the media, if we're assuming the media it has some sort of control controls on it by the Chinese. So you need to start doubting yourself in the sense of if what I'm hearing the, the things that I just listed off, that must be just the tip of the iceberg. If yes. that's the infiltration yeah. that we are aware of right Thank now, you. imagine how much worse it actually is. Exactly. And of so. course, we have gigantic Chinese business interests that control a good chunk of American corporations. And real estate. And real estate. Real estate. Buying up real estate by military bases, which will make more sense as we get into yes. this storyboard. The next phase is collaboration. And that is where the Chinese get the people that are now on the Chinese side due to the infiltration. They get those people to collaborate with the Chinese, to run cover for the Chinese, to be sympathetic for the Chinese, and as we play out this storyboard, to act on behalf of the Chinese. And I think we're in the collaboration phase. I think we have, uh, for example, here's a great example, and that would be uh, the President of the United States deciding not to shoot down a Chinese balloon uh, until it had completed its mission and gone over the United States and collected data because he didn't want to make the Chinese mad. That is an example of collaboration. It's not 100% integration. It doesn't have to be. It's the Chinese getting what they want from the target with country. With no resistance. With no resistance. We are in the collaboration phase. The next phase is not occurred yet and is the um, topic of this storyboard, and that is destruction. That is where the Chinese will... Um, unleash some sort of destruction, whether they do it or the country itself does it to itself. Hmm, that's kind of where we're and going with be, this. And could that be covert or? Yeah, I mean, it could yeah. be covert or overt, but there is destruction of some kind. There is a forceful dismantling of the country that, that the Chinese are targeting. And then the final phase is consolidation, a mopping up where the Chinese take the pieces of whatever country it is that they've done this to. And I keep saying that they, they do this all over the world. They, they are doing horrible things in Africa, for example. Right. You just take examples of what they're doing in Africa and kind of project them onto the map of the United States. And that's where a lot of this comes from. So they do consolidation where they mop up the resistance. They rebuild the country that they have minimally destroyed or allowed 
the inhabitants of that country to destroy themselves. And then they put it all back together. And oh, by the way, now all that farmland in the red states, now all that uh, wheat and everything else is going to China or China gets to sell it to the rest of the world. So think of this, the the Chinese government is less of a government and more of a big gang that is taking over territory and taking stuff, except a gang may take somebody's watch or wallet at the Chinese level the gang would be taking the agricultural production of the United States. That's kind of the game that's being played here. It's all about natural resources. So, and this is something we do when we storyboard is we kind of interject what's actually happening around us to a degree. So I'm going to interject that now, just letting you know, because this this conversation is going to be complicated, but that's in a way already happening because China, how much of our debt does China own? Uh, they're the biggest holder of debt. So when you pay taxes, yeah, we're paying the gang. That's, to me, more, yeah, that is, yeah, that's that's a way. Yes, that is a way of the gang getting our stuff. Yeah, um, and getting. But our, they had to loan. I mean, gangs have loan sharks. Maybe yes, that's the way right, we should look exactly. at treasury you get notes. It that way, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. so the next phase and how all this happens is as as uh, elaborated or, or as um, suggested. There are some EMPs, low yield EMPs, probably several, and they're targeting red states. Why is that? Because the Chinese want the blue states to survive this, and they want the blue states to fight the weakened red states, because that way they get the resources and they get the Americans to kill each other off and do a lot of their dirty work. It's kind of brilliant. And now the technological means of doing it, these lowish altitude balloons with these small yields, is kind of the way to do this. That's, right. that's what occurred to us when we were sitting around drinking coffee in bed one Saturday morning, coming up with a storyboard as in the conversation started with me saying, hey, if I were to write another book, which I'm not going to do for a variety of reasons, uh, it would be about this. And you go, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Now, these EMPs go off. People instantly realize the EMPs were only in red areas, but the blue areas were spared. That seems kind of weird. The electricity goes out in red areas and it stays on in blue areas. Um, That would cause a lot of speculation. I'm sure the left would say uh, it's... uh, it's Republican Rotary Clubs that have, um, you know, destroyed the uh, maybe it's Kiwanis. I don't know. They're they're vicious, vicious rivalries, Rotary and Kiwanis, maybe. Uh, and so the left would say, oh, um, uh, MAGA people have destroyed the infrastructure in their own areas, which doesn't make sense. So but people would instantly recognize this. The people in red states that no longer have any electrical uh, devices would realize this through rumors word would spread for example people in red areas would learn that the blue areas are unaffected i mean that that would spread like wildfire it would spread like wildfire how wildflower fire sorry need more coffee however it makes a lot of sense because look what happens now right now our our big huge metropolis cities the new yorks the chicago's the seattle's the los angeles who are they controlled by the left. The left, which will, because it's going to be influenced, easily influenced, easily overcome by Chinese influence. So you need to start thinking as we storyboard this out. We need to start thinking as we storyboard this out. Those places will become centers for Chinese influence, if not controlled by China, in our story. Exactly. And then we're going to elaborate on that yes. coming up. So, yes, understand. Very good point that the blue areas are pro-Chinese. They may not be now, but they will be as the Chinese create conditions to create dependence of blue areas on the Chinese and start a war with the red areas. So in the red areas, we have what we call the golden hordes. And that is a term for a massive breakdown of everything. Obviously an EMP would break down everything. There would be no no fuel pumps, there would be no trucks, there would be no refrigeration in supermarkets, there would be nothing. I don't think we need to explain what it means when all the electricity in a localized area 
and like like half a state when all of that goes off um the the people the population incredibly unprepared despite this show having been on the air for four years you'd think we would get america prepared but along apparently with all, along with you know the other good ones out there i mean yeah the, the word is out ours is the best it is yeah that's not what you meant by word is out. Word but is anyway. out. Word is out that you need to get prepared. Exactly. So all these um, urban and suburban areas within red states, and yes, they do exist. Take our situation, for example, in western Montana. Missoula is very liberal. It is very suburban. It is very dependent. And it, we are nowhere near it, but it's the closest yeah. population center to us. But even in red areas, there are going to be huge chunks of the population who are completely unprepared and they don't have any food. They, they're very entitled. They have an entitled mentality. And we're not talking about people on welfare. We're talking about everybody feels entitled to the supermarket having 70 kinds of potato chips. They really do. And they've never experienced anything to the contrary. We, we talked about this last week or two weeks ago with the TP preppers thing where we, we made the observation that most Americans had never seen a bare shelf. They didn't know what to make of it. And so the golden hordes quickly after a couple days, uh, start moving out from the, the population centers into the countryside. There are all kinds of goofy, uneducated suburbanites and urbanites who really think that a cow sitting in a field somehow equals a hamburger. They don't understand about butchering. They don't understand about refrigeration. They don't understand about cooking. They have always just gone through a drive-through and got their hamburger. And they're vaguely aware that a hamburger has something to do with a cow. And that's about as far as they think it. So they're going to come out in the country because there's cows out there. And they're, they're also going to delude themselves because they haven't prepared. Right. And they feel guilty. And they have to come up with a, a hopeful unrealistic idea in their mind they're going to say well maybe the country people will take us in and be nice to us and feed us because that's what i'm hoping because my kids are about to starve to death and i need somebody to save me i'm going to hope that it's the nice country people so that's based on actual experience so we have a couple minutes before we need to take a break but let's play this out is that based your that storyboard idea based on the golden fiction? Horde. The golden horde. No, we saw that we've mentioned it several times. Where we lived in Western Washington during COVID, yeah. people traveled hours and hours to come to our tiny little community to buy toilet paper and guns. For real, honest conversations Three with people who sell toilet paper and people who sell so, guns told us about the influx. The Seattle people came and cleaned them out. And bought so many guns that the gun store where we lived went out of business because after yeah. that, it couldn't get a hold of any more firearms. Exactly. Isn't it, that crazy? It, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this is a real thing. So think about that when it comes to those golden hordes and what could that look like when the stakes are higher than toilet paper and firearms. Exactly. As our storyboard unfolds. Well, everybody, join us on the other side of the break for more of the Storyboard Podcast. We're going to start talking more about, on the other side, checkpoints and uh -huh. law enforcement. Ooh, don't go away. Yep. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 All-in-One Gravity Systems are NSF ANSI 42 Component Certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One Stainless Gravity Systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, Make solid and affordable body armor for normal people. 
Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com, click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love new mana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started in our story to hear the end of it. Dun, dun, dun. Stick around for the after show if you're a Patreon supporter. If you're not, you can find out really easily how to do that. Go to our website, prepping2-0.com and click on the Patreon logo. And here's... Oh, you get to hear the hilarious after, I'm sorry, the hilarious lightning round. I'm excited for today's. I'm going to. She's visit. really excited for the lightning I'm round. Kinda, She's going to make me look dumb. I'm kind of going to. It's going to be fun. If this scenario plays out or something similar to it, you're going to need guns. And a great way to get armed with the latest technology, very cool innovation, is Gibbs Arms, G-I-B-B-Z Arms at gibbsarms.com they have a side charging ar line it's magnificent you should really look into it so consider gibbs g-i-b-b-z arms archive episode of the week this is where we go back for our new listeners we have a bunch of them every single episode thank you by the way for our new listeners we appreciate it we go back and tell you about episodes in the past that you may not know about we've been doing this for four and a half years. And so we're gonna go back to episode 42 and spotlight that. That was called The Christian Case for Prepping with Forrest Garvin, who wrote a great book about this. And that aired on August 7th, 2019. Two administrative announcements very quickly. The Labor Day party for Patreons at our house. If you're a Patreon, you get an invite to come to our house in Western Montana on Labor Day weekend. I think the coolest part of it, besides hanging out and having fun, is the Friday night rodeo. We go to the local rodeo, which is a really good rodeo on Friday night. If you've never experienced a rodeo, you're in for a treat. And if I can add a couple of details to those two announcements. So 
Cool new feature. You'll hear us use more and more of it on the show. We have a search feature on our website. Go to our website, upper right-hand corner. Just put in 42 and you'll get episode 42. Speaking of the Labor Day gathering at our house of all of our Patreon supporters who are invited, um, it's really fun. And just recently, the rodeo that we'll be going to on that Friday night has been rated as one of the top ones in the circuit. Yeah. So it's, it's a legit rodeo. It's legit. And it's, this is and a bunch of broken down donkeys nope. or something. And we're going to plan a little better this year. We got there <laughs> and, real, and it packed out pretty fast. And we weren't able to sit super close to our... To our friends, you, who would be invited, we're going to do that a little different this year so we can sit together and enjoy the rodeo together. So where do we want to pick up here? Well, next on the storyboard, we're looking at the red areas immediately after the EMPs pop. And we mentioned the Golden Hordes. I think everyone listening understands the Golden Horde scenario. It's one of the reasons they prepare and especially why they have food supplies and why they have security because they understand the Golden Hordes are a problem. So the checkpoints start popping up and this would be uh, completely local, non-governmental, just, just good old boys and girls getting together some of the roads and some of the pathways, including the r- railroad tracks out of the, um, bigger cities in the red areas, you'd see armed checkpoints spring up and people would be, local people would be preventing the city people from coming into their areas. Um, I fully expect law enforcement would try to control the situation. Um, Some of it would be good natured. I'm law enforcement wanting to do the right thing. Some of it may be a little bit more nefarious. Um, Law enforcement doesn't have many members. I mean, there's, there's only a handful of of law enforcement for every thousand people, well, not even a handful, it's probably maybe a handful for every 10,000. And right now, uh, currently, think about how law enforcement has changed so dramatically in the last few years. It has been so hamstrung, so gutted, so limited in its ability to enforce the law. Yeah. So, so if there is law enforcement, it is very benign. Yeah. And a lot of people will be surprised when they think that law enforcement is always there in a jiffy when you call 911 when the phones don't work and there are hordes of people coming from the cities and the suburban areas out into the country. They're going to find out real quick that uh, law enforcement's great for Saturday night for picking up DUIs and domestic violence stuff, but they're not really designed for this sort of scenario. I foresee, Shelby and I, I should say, foresee fighting among law enforcement and what I'll call patriots. Uh, when I say patriots, I don't necessarily mean good guys. I, we don't do comic book stuff nope. where there's good guys and bad guys, but um, you get the picture when I use the term patriots. And, um, and I don't know how that turns out. That's going to be location specific, but there's going to be a lot of problems between law enforcement and local defense groups. Um, some local defense groups will be gang-like and ca- quite honestly, depending on where you are uh, in the situation, some law enforcement could become gang-like. So um, just understand that you need to assess the evidence you see with your own eyes and not count on some preconceived notion that you have. Well, that's the red areas. You've got the beginning of a collapse. You've read about it in 299 days. You've read about it in a great state. Folks get that scenario. In blue states, and I should call them blue areas because that's more precise than states. In blue areas, after these EMPs go off and take out the red states, uh, the blue states will have initial sympathy. And um, I think we'll see a lot of sappy telethons and uh, songs to raise money and all that kind of nonsense. I'm sure Bon Jovi will come out of retirement and plastic surgery and start doing a bunch of songs about we need to, we're all Americans, let's pull together, that kind of stuff. I think the initial sympathy goes away relatively quickly because once blue state politicians, and I stress again, politicians, not necessarily the general population in blue states, when blue state politicians realize that they are intact and the red states are destroyed, they're going to say to themselves, never let a good crisis go to waste. And they will indeed not let this crisis go to waste. And they are going to be seeking out what's best for them and their surroundings and their influences. They are not looking out for the American people. Nope. 
Loyalties will become very refined. Yes, they'll become very localized. Loyalties will become localized. And I think you don't need to go too far to understand how blue state politicians would not be going out of their way to help the red states. There's a lot of really mean and degrading things that blue state people, not general population, sort of like loudmouths in the in blue states. They don't think very highly of us in red states. They think we're hillbillies and idiots and Bible thumpers. And there's not a lot of love that they have for us. Oh, just do a quick search engine on that. Again, these are all based upon all of these elements to our storyboard are based upon actual events. Go look at what, go look up, go look on videos on YouTube. Please don't install TikTok to do this. No, 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 no. Because that's another Chinese influence Yep. where left, hard left leaning politicians have said the most degrading things about conservatives. Hateful, bigoted. Hateful. And calling for violence. Exactly. And this... This is part of, I think, yeah. I think the the Chinese scenario is that, and I'm not saying that every single blue state person that says something mean against red state people is a Chinese agent. See, no. that one dimensional comic book stuff is not necessary for this scenario to be true. But do you think that uh, the Chinese influence in these blue areas will foment, will oh. they try to calm it down that further? Oh, goodness, no. No, they will foment it and, and fan flames on it and throw gas on it. And, th- and think about it like we've all seen that meme where that little girl is yeah. behind her is a house on fire and she's walking away with a smug look on her face because she just set it on fire and she's walking away because nobody thinks a little girl's going to do that. That's kind of what the Chinese will do. They're going to throw a little gas over here and we're just over here on the other side of the ocean. I don't. We don't know what's going on. Well, and, speak, we saw, and we saw them act that way over the balloon situation. Exactly. Speaking of the Chinese being across the Pacific Ocean and just taking it all in, the Chinese will offer humanitarian of aid. Course. Of course, they will. They've done this in other countries. At first, it will truly be humanitarian aid. The Chinese are not going to play their cards. They're not going to show their cards. Right off the bat, they're going to be shiploads of bottles of water and all kinds of stuff. And they will be the humanitarian helpers. This is how they get their foot in the door. They've done it in Africa. This is how they, because you are, you, that country, you. The the target country. You are in such need. You will take what, you know, you're so thirsty. You're so hungry. You're so in need. You will take whatever comes your way. And blue state, blue politicians will be like, of course we need to take this. We need. It would be racist of us to think that we can take care of ourselves. This is a great way to, you know. We're a global community. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. You can, you guys can just hear this, right? Now I wanted to pause and mention the national military how they're going to react to all of this. And again, this is speculation. Obviously, everything we're saying is speculation. This was like storyboarding, you know, over coffee on a Saturday morning, right? So the national military as a cohesive national organization, I think they stay out of this, um, but they realize what's coming. And so because the national military is so, you know, dependent on national things. Obviously, there's national, you know, GPS data and all of that kind of stuff. And also because personnel and bases are scattered pretty much equally throughout red and blue states, personnel in the military and and bases and equipment are going to be in some red states and some blue states. It's not a real recipe for the military being unified and taking one side or the other. They sort of can't. They're too big and they can't as a unified military initially take sides. But I think what starts happening is within the military, they start gathering informally into like-minded red groups and blue groups. And it might be like whispers like, hey, uh, meet meet us in the chow hall, have breakfast with us. We're going to talk about how we're going to deal with this. And so I think it's going to start forming secret factions within the national military. But my point is the national military sits it out, at least at first. Well, I see an internal battle in red states about whether to accept humanitarian aid. The fault lines of this um, will be the fault lines of the division lines in the future fight between collaborators 
and Patriots. I think the fault lines start to form. Obviously, some people in red areas are all about the humanitarian aid. These will primarily be the dependent people who, in the case of the bottled water, are very, very thirsty, right? These will be the unprepared people. These will be the masses. The masses in red areas will be all for accepting Chinese humanitarian aid. Don't kid yourselves that just because it's a red state and everybody knows what the Chinese are doing, that the majority of the population will not support receiving uh, Chinese humanitarian aid. And remembering in those red states and red areas, China has historically and has been currently buying up huge swaths of land. Yeah. So their influence may not necessarily be deep in the politics. It's deep in the real estate. Yes. And and the Chinese corporate interests are are intertwined everywhere in red areas and blue areas. You know, the the big companies in red areas, I'm thinking of Montana railroads just off the top of my head. I was just driving around and I saw a Montana train. So that's why it comes to mind. They at some level have ties to China. So it's not as simple as, oh, this this place voted for Donald Trump. So they're no. never going to support receiving Chinese aid. It's going to be way more complicated the influence than that. Is, the infiltration is very is – like what I said earlier, much deeper than we can imagine. Yes. And so you'll start to see these fault lines form. Well, one of the uh, uh, ways the fault lines uh, play out is that you're going to see, I think, local defense forces, I will call them, in red areas starting to form. And these will be beyond just beating back the looters. That's sort of a a, a crime-focused um, self-defense force. These will be full-on defense forces in the sense of people in these defense forces start realizing that they're going to be fighting a war either against their own collaborator red state people. They're going to be fighting a war against blue state people and conceivably fighting a war against Chinese invaders once they actually get onto our shores. So they're going to start forming up. That's going to cause all kinds of strife too. Everything we're mentioning – is going to cause strife and uh, families divided and all kinds of stuff like that. So I think increasingly people in red areas will not think of the blue areas as part of America anymore. And that has started. We've seen, we've got the seeds of that, but it's going to become increasingly obvious when red states are destroyed and there's all kinds of mayhem and there's all kinds of, uh, I think, assassinations and uh, like mob violence about either accepting or not accepting humanitarian aid. they're going to look at – they can't see on their TVs, but they're going to understand that in blue areas, things are oakley dokley and everything's just fine. And the red areas are not going to think of blue areas anymore as part of America. Nope. And, you're, yeah, you're already seeing seeing the underpinnings of this already happening. You know, we, we think of – we've all heard somebody refer to the state of California as California or yeah. – you know, when you think about – when I think about Seattle, I always think of the – that statue to Lenin yeah. that's there. You know, these are all things that foment that. So, yeah, what's next? Well, I see in this unwinding storyboard uh, or this flowing storyboard, I see blue politicians getting aggressive. I see them demanding that red areas give up natural resources in exchange for humanitarian assistance. So, for example, taking Montana, because that's what I'm familiar with. Yeah, Montana, we'll get you that bottled water. Um, we need you to uh, turn over all your wheat, right? I mean, you need us to be in control of your farmland or your electrical production from your hydroelectric dams or there are oil fields in Montana, believe it or not. There are oil refineries in Montana. There are all kinds of natural resources that the blue states don't have and the blue states understand that they have leverage because the red states are literally dying without that assistance. Guess what blue states are going to do? So let's add to, let's add a little reality to that. Again, this is my job, I feel like, on this show. Jump in and say, could that really happen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> about a year or so ago when gas prices were insanely high, they've come down a little bit since then. Governor Gina Forte of Montana called for the reopening of state-owned Wells, yeah. oil wells. Oil wells on state-owned land, so it's not subject to the federal ban. Right. Because, you know, basically drill, baby, drill. 
And I, I believe, I'd have to double check, a couple of red other red states followed suit on that. So you don't think if there's suddenly now we're more into, deeper into a crisis, especially a Chinese crisis that is starting to overtake our country, that they wouldn't want to get confiscate those resources in some way? Absolutely. It happens in every crisis. Yes. One group tries to take stuff from the other group. I mean... This is history. This yeah. is human behavior. So it's, this is not just, fiction. This again, is history. We're just storyboarding out what's happening around us. In addition to the blue politicians getting aggressive and demanding that red areas give up natural resources, um, the blue politicians will demand that the red areas disarm. Pretty obvious what the play here is. And it'll be something like, and I'm not trying to be funny, although if you laugh, that's cool. Something like, yeah, we're the blue states and we need all your wheat production, Montana, but our people are too scared to go pick up the wheat because you guys have hunting rifles. So give us your guns for the safety of our wheat dudes that are picking up the wheat or and something crazy like that. It, it doesn't take much of a rationale, but they're going to try to disarm the red areas because the blue areas know the red areas have a bunch more guns. And that that is going to be sparky. Yeah, Sparky. That's like that. going to be Sparky-ish. Yeah. Am I right? Absolutely. And I, I see during this all happening, increasing and deeper red division uh, between those who are for collaborating, as it will be called, or cooperating, I guess would be the, uh, the nice word for it, collaborating or not. And I, I start to see, uh, or I see the beginnings of um, patriots starting to assassinate collaborators and collaborators starting to kill patriots because it's kind of self-defense at this point. And, and it's not just politics at this point. It's survival. Right. And there are two schools of thought on how you survive. One is to accept Chinese and, and blue state humanitarian aid or not. And a lot of the deep divisions that you've already got in communities, it might be socioeconomic, it might be religious, it might be political, it might be um, just regions that don't get along with each other. You're going to see these groups in the red states going from pushing to shoving to punching to shooting. So let's stop right there. This is how this story of our storyboard started. So our story's not over yet, but it's how the Chinese would get a one grasp American um, resources and grasp America and use a civil war to their advantage. Exactly. And so when you have when you now have Americans fighting Americans over constitutional rights and things that we know are very important and, and fighting each other over bottled exactly. water. Exactly. All right. Mission accomplished. All righty. Yep. Let's just let them shoot it. You know, now you're just watching them, watching a country shoot at each other, waiting until it's done. And then you're just going to go in and mop up. But, oh, let me not give it away. That's right. So I, I also see in this scenario, this time period, blue states doing organized raids to seize natural resources. At first, yeah. they get aggressive and they demand red area natural resources. And then they start to actually just physically go get them. Um, at, happening at the same time, I see a massive Chinese sea lift of more aid and some soldiers coming yes. from China. So at first, the Chinese troops are advisors to blue military forces. And uh, one of the reasons the Chinese troops would come over, besides to control their investment as they view the United States, would be because blue politicians would need Chinese troops to pull triggers on Americans because many blue troops wouldn't shoot fellow Americans. And so you always need an outside foreign force in these civil wars. And and don't tell me this has never happened. I mean, name a region, I can tell you a war in which uh, warring sides have brought in foreign troops in order to pull triggers on, on fellow countrymen. So I see in the red states uh, a a bit of a purge of collaborators, at least a lot of violence. And by the way, we don't want any of this to happen. No, I mean, no, it goes is, without again, saying. Again, this is a storyboard. This is a storyboard for a fictional novel. So after a purge of collaborators, red areas start to cooperate with fellow um, patriots 
on food and infrastructure and military forces. And part of it is they start to cooperate because they've had a little taste of bloodshed. And it's like, we need to stop this. We need to... It's it's it, it's going to feel like putting the brakes on that. We don't want this to continue. Yeah, and it's it's after the the active loudmouth collaborators have been put in prison or whatever it may right. be. And so, and yeah. so it's going to be give a false sense of peace. Yeah, but there will be. My point is, is that when it comes to producing food and infrastructure and military forces, there will be coming together and mm-hmm. joint efforts and a good chunk of the population of red states will be dead at this point let's right. just be 100 percent candid so realizing back to the national military which i said they sat out initially uh, realizing that especially when the chinese troops come that it's uh, a foreign invasion most of the national military um, goes in large part now this is this is net not gross over to the red side. I think that the military would, in, in the case of a foreign invasion, in general, rally towards defending this country. And again, that lends itself to the current headlines that we see. One of the things that we've has always been common knowledge is that our military leans conservative, it leans constitutional, it leans defending our country and its values. However, that kind of the odd thing in that is that our military has been gutted yeah. over the last two or three years so it's not as it's not as one-dimensional exactly and so we have to you so as we're storyboarding this it gets messy Alrighty. so what's next i'm just listening to our storyboard very yes. attentively the red areas as i mentioned have a reduced population but the survivors are hardcore the people who have lived through this are mad as heck to put it politely since we're on the radio and uh that is an advantage the red areas have they have a toughness uh they have a a purpose their country their red areas have been attacked a bunch of people they know have been killed there's been all kinds of looting and rioting and there has been political violence and they are mad because they know that the blue areas were left unscathed. And they never really liked those blue states anyway. You can see how these divisions that already exist can come to the forefront and really be destructive. So we see the blue areas slowly disintegrating in this time frame. We do. Because there's nothing to fight for. And I'm, I'm getting the idea that we need to pause and go into the after we show and do. finish this amazing story. Yeah, we have, there's more to talk about. I did not give away any spoilers, although you might think so. So folks, we have so much more to talk about in the after show, as well as the snicker, snicker, fun lightning round I'm going to, I'm going to put onto Glenn. So folks, don't forget, as always, from our great American founding father, Benjamin Franklin, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.